so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. Well, good morning everyone. Uh, Carl, you didn't need to uh, worry. I've had to come back from the coast. I am Pastor Nick. Steve rang up uh, uh, sick this morning so I've raced back. So... um, Welcome everyone. As I said, I'm Pastor... Oh, are you not getting it? Oh, uh, hang on a minute. It's the glasses, isn't it? There we go. Does that work okay? No, that's not it. No, actually, unbelievably, look at this. It is me. It is Steve. So (laughs) welcome uh, everyone this morning, whether you've just tuned in by accident or you're here deliberately, it's fantastic to have you here and God bless you and uh, we pray for you and it's just great to be together. My background's in training. I've done hundreds of live uh, audience presentations but not very often straight into a camera and you wouldn't believe this place. It's like this is all looking nice and calm where you can see me now. But um, just behind the camera, it's just like a TV studio. Uh, Our producer, Carl, is running around back and forward. We've got wires everywhere. We've got screens everywhere. But um, it still feels good. The Spirit of the Lord is still here. This morning, for the next few minutes, I want to talk about jealousy. It's something that's been on my mind for um, the last few months and as I've uh, reflected back on the uh, sermons that I've done uh, over the years I've realised that they're mostly about vices that we have or bad emotions that we have and I've talked about uh, depression, I've talked about being hurt, I've talked about being uh, bitter, being unforgiving and this morning, really, I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about jealousy. And there's two sorts of jealousy. There's the godly jealousy, which is good, and there's the human jealousy, which is bad. So I've entitled my talk this morning, um, "The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly," uh, coining a phrase from Clint Eastwood. Uh, But I've turned it around and we're going to deal with the bad and the ugly first and then we're going to finish off with the good. And when you look at definitions for jealousy, there's three definitions. Two that are bad and one that's good. So angry or unhappy because of what someone, someone has is definition one and that's bad. Definition two, afraid of losing someone's love and affection. That's also a bad definition of jealousy. And the third one is careful to guard or to keep what one has. And that's the good one. That's where God comes into it. But let's get through the bad first and it's something uh, along with quite a few others uh, negative emotions that 
um, uh, God's word uh, concentrates on from time to time. Uh, But firstly, I want to say it burdens my heart to see adults going through their adult lives, setting themselves up um, to be ruled by a whole range of of negative emotions or thoughts. And you might be a non-Christian or worse still, a so-called professing Christian, but you still let these negative emotions run riot uh, in your life. It might be anger, it might be hurt, it might be anxiety, it might be unforgiveness, it might be a feeling of low self-esteem or much more than that. I'm nearly uh, 59, Nick's turned 38, so I've got 20 years, 21 years uh, on Nick and I've learned during that time that for the sake of my soul and the fact that my life is two-thirds over or more, I don't have the luxury of time to indulge in opening myself up to be hurt or bitter or hateful or indeed jealous of others. And in my experience, certainly my personal experience and uh, some of those negative emotions that I've felt over time, It can be attributed to a cry for help. And I just want to urge uh, our church family and for those of you who might be uh, watching from further afield, I want to urge you, please, not to sacrifice your life, whether you're 59, whether you're 38, whether you're 18, don't sacrifice uh, your quality of life, your long life, your health, to feeling these negative emotions and setting yourself up always to be hurt. If you think, well, what do I do with those feelings? I'm jealous of my neighbour. I'm jealous of my friend, for example. Give it over to God. And you say, well, how do I do that? You just pray. Just pray. It might not happen straight away, but you will find a way out of your suffering Because often the person perhaps that you might have something against knows nothing about your journey, knows nothing about how you're feeling and so you're only damaging yourself. And a lot of these negative emotions, they come from the lie of Satan that you're feeling that you're worthless, that you're not worth anything to anybody and you look around and you say, if only I had what my friend has. If only I had what my brother had, has or what my sister has, well then I'd be uh, um, much happier. But look, we don't know what's going on uh, in other people's lives, even our own uh, family lives often. And we might look at our neighbour and we might see his big house and we might see his boat and we might see his two fancy cars, and we say to ourselves, I wish I was him. I wish I had his life. And you might not have any idea what he's going through. Yes, he might have that boat and that house and that fancy car, but he might have a disabled child. He might have a broken relationship with his partner. He might... uh, 
might have deep, deep depression. He might be, at the time that you're looking out over your fence at his place, he's looking out his window at you and wishing he could be you. And I often thought that jealousy was just a childish thing. When my sister had a toy that I wanted to play with, I'd say to mum or dad, it's not fair, I want to play with that toy. And it was usually quickly solved, there'd be an intervention from my parents and life would go on. But I've realised as my adult life has gone on that there are uh, certainly cases where jealousy gets hold of you as an adult. It shouldn't, but it does. And you can see by our amazing graphic that Alex um, put together uh, for me this week that it completely blinds you. You lose your identity. You can see that fellow there, his eyes are completely covered. He can't see anything beyond his jealousy. He can't see the world around him. He can't see uh, the goodness uh, in the world. He can't see the goodness in himself. And in recent years, with people that Leslie and I care for deeply, we have seen the insidious um, tentacles of jealousy reach out and affect everyone around them, especially themselves. And in this particular case, it's revolved around a sense of entitlement, a sense of others, of their friends or family, uh, that the perception, the wrong perception that uh, other members of the family have not worked for the money that they have. But deep down, it's a longing in their own hearts to be recognised. It's a longing in their own hearts to, to be secure. So for those of you who are out there this morning, and maybe it is jealousy, maybe, as I said, it's one of the other negative emotions that are really holding you uh, back. Have a good look at yourself and say, is it me? Is it the fact that I think I'm not being honoured, that I think I'm not being appreciated for who I am? And what that means is that you're looking for others to, um, for your self-worth. And I remember doing a marriage course before Leslie and I were married by Laurie Crabb. And Laurie Crabb said, who's a well-known um, um, uh, marriage counsellor, amongst other things, he said that our ultimate security should never come from our partner. If we load that onto our partner, um, it's, just, it's not going to end well. We must understand that we are loved child of children of God. As individuals, we are loved by him. And you say, well, how do I know that? Well, you've only just got to open God's word and you will see that. Uh, probably the first uh, page that you turn to, you will see that you are a loved child of God. Yes, it's fantastic to have a family. It's fantastic to have a loving partner. But ultimately, our security, our, 
our self-worth comes from God himself. And you say, well, what did God ever do for me? Well, what hasn't he done? And we can go back to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He sent his son, he sent himself as a sacrifice for you so that you don't have to face an eternity of oblivion, but an eternity with him. And so he's got all the power and all the love that you need. You don't need to tie yourself up in being jealous or angry or bitter or setting yourself up to be hurt and just saying, oh, that person said this about me or this person's giving me the cold shoulder. Really, after 59 years, I realised, so what? So what? God loves me. God cares for me every day. I am his son and he loves me so much. I'm getting into the good there a little bit. Let's, uh, let's go backtrack. And I want to just concentrate on, um, uh, just for a few minutes, uh, on the bad story in the Old Testament. And this is King Saul. He was the first king of the Israelites. Um, the, king, uh, the Israelites decided that they didn't like the prophets too much. They didn't like the judges that had been set um, in leadership over them too much. They wanted a king. God wasn't too keen on the idea either. He said, well, you've got me. And they said, well, we want an earthly king. So God gave them an earthly king and he didn't turn out to be all that good. He definitely suffered from an inferiority complex and it was David that really sparked the jealousy in Saul's life. He was already on a slippery slope downwards. He was trying to do things without God's help, without Samuel the prophet's help, and that was one of the conditions on which he was set up as a king that he had to um, answer to Samuel. But he would uh, do something and then say sorry to Samuel afterwards, which was not the right thing in Samuel, and therefore God was not impressed uh, by him. And initially Saul, when David came along um, and said he was happy to fight Goliath that one fateful day, uh, initially Samuel, uh, Saul was pleased. Here was somebody finally to get them out of this um, stagnation, to get them out of this uh, situation where Saul had run out of ideas. But it was after David's... Uh, uh, David's victory over Goliath and as they came back um, to town as it were in 1 Samuel 18 uh, we read when the men were returning home after David killed the Philistine the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing and, and King Saul thought this is great they haven't heard that it was David that did it and they came out of their homes, they were dancing and then with joyful songs and with tambourines and lutes. And as they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And Saul was very angry. The refrain galled him. And if you know that word, it's just 
Uh, it's just the very depths of uh, anger and despair when you feel galled about something. And he said, they've credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can we get but the kingdom? What more can he get but the kingdom? And, and from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. And Saul kept his eye on David to the extent that David was not able to return home. And Saul kept his enemy close. And it's a shame and we read that Saul never got over that jealousy. He never sought to repent for his jealousy. He never sought to say, I want to be happy for David. I want to be pleased. He and I can run the kingdom together. It was never like that. What he wanted to do was just hate on David. And in chapter 19 of Samuel, we read that um, Saul was angry and jealous and hateful for the rest of his life towards David. Poor David, he uh, tried to escape um, several times. Saul wanted to kill him. So it went from just a a little niggly, jealous feeling about David to afterwards when he saw the, the, um, his people rejoicing at David's victory over Goliath and from then on. So it went from jealousy to anger to the point where Saul allowed an evil spirit to come over him. And Saul would try, both in his house and elsewhere in the future, to come and try and kill David a number of times until he died. And so within Saul's house, on which David spent some time, there was jealousy, there was anger, there was an evil spirit. Uh, It's said at one stage that Saul was prophesying as he normally did, It's not the uh, word of good prophesying. It's basically saying that Saul was acting in a very erratic way and saying very um, unusual, to say the least, uh, things in his house. And it just reminded me, just as a little aside, what spirit is in your house? What spirit is running through your house? When we first moved to Yass, in 1992 and purchased the home that we are in it had been empty for two years but we knew that it had been a family home and as soon as we walked into that house there was this spirit of love still in that house and you might say oh that's just a load of baloney well it was one of the first things that we noted and it was one of the first things that said that despite the rundown nature of our house at that time that this was the house for us. There was a spirit of love in that house. And I want to ask you this morning, what spirit is running through your home at the moment? If you're doing your best to live a truthful, Christian, authentic, loving life, you're going to have a spirit of love 
in your home, running through your home. But as I'm talking this morning, if you're feeling challenged to the way you're feeling, and maybe you're feeling angry, hurt, bitter, jealous, I would say to you that the spirit running through your house at this time is not one of love. It's one of separation from God because you are sinning. You are deliberately saying, yes, Lord, I will follow you in these things, but I can never forgive that person for doing that particular thing. I can never, um, I can never forgive that person for giving me the cold shoulder. I can never um, uh, feel uh, anything but anger towards this member of my family. I can never feel anything but jealous. It's never going to, going to um, get better. This is the way it is. And actually, I feel happy. I feel happy feeling all these negative things, and that's a real danger, my friends, in terms of getting into a fact where unless you're upset with somebody, unless you're feeling something in a negative way, you're not happy. I want to challenge you this morning, and I want you to say, what's my spirit like? What's the spirit inside me like at this time? Because if it's not, um, if it's not the spirit of God with love, joy and peace, and we'll cover this in a few minutes, if it's not that coming through us, well, then what's going to happen is um, that's going to spread from without you and it's going to break others. It's going to break you both physically, mentally and spiritually. And it's, only, and it's also going to pervade in your house. There's very little that we know as, as Western Christians about the spirit world. There's a very fine line. And I, again, I want to challenge you. What's the spirit that's running through your house? If you read on um, in chapter 19 of 1 Samuel, you'll see that spirit, that evil spirit of Saul going beyond uh, himself and into his house and into his household. So there's a challenge for you. Now we can go on to the good. And you look at our, um, you look at our graphic now and we're going to talk about the good side of jealousy. And this leaves us being able to see, you can see that banner of bad jealousy has gone from that man's eyes now and he can see. And... When it comes to God and jealousy, he's not saying, he's not saying at all, um, I want what they've got. I want what my creation has got. He was the creator. It's, um, he is jealous, and I think Carl uh, put it right in his Facebook post last night. We're talking about, from a human point of view, we're talking about we're jealous of. God is jealous for. And, jeal- and, um, and God picks up that last definition that we had, that good definition that said, careful to guard or keep what one has. And he saved us. God has saved us for, at a great price. 
an incredible prize. So he's very jealous. He's very jealous. It, it first um, came about in the Old Testament. There's something like 20 references in the Old Testament to um, God being jealous for his children of Israel. And um, by extension and by Jesus' death and resurrection, we can claim all of those promises of the children of Israel. But even more because we've got Christ that's come and died for us. So God, if he was jealous in the Old Testament, he's even more jealous for us now. He wants exclusive possession of us. And you might say, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give my life away uh, to God. Exclusive possession. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep on living my own life. Well, where does that lead you? Where does that lead you honestly? Can you say that you've got real freedom? As these verses in Galatians say that we'll look at in a moment. Can we say that we've, um, we've got freedom? Can we say that we've got eternal life, just living our own life? Can we say that? Can we say that we've got an underlying peace? Can you say that? None of those things we will have if we seek not to understand God and his jealousy for us and the fact that he wants exclusive possession. So... In the Old Testament especially, it talks about a divine jealousy. And in return, God wants devotion from us. And again, you might say, well, what do I have to be devoted to God? What's in it for me? Well, I've already just outlined that. There's peace. There's freedom. There's eternal life. It's just an incredible thing. But as soon as we let... And we might make a decision for that, but then over time we sink back. We allow a, a little germ of discontent, a little germ of jealousy uh, to come back in. And immediately that peace goes. We can suffer mentally. We can suffer physically in that. It's, not, it's, a, it's a slippery slope that we don't want to start down. Good morning, church. The Bible reading today is from Galatians 5, verses 13 to 25. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, 
that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is the Word of God. Thanks, Rachel, for uh, reading that. Aren't those words in Galatians 5.20 amazing? Especially, I love that first line, for you have been called to live in freedom. That's what we've been called to. You say, what's in it for me? Well, how about being called to live in freedom? Don't get caught up in... um, or, or, or don't weaken your stance. Don't say, oh, well, yeah, it's really good. Um, yes, I'm loving, I'm keeping away from all of that uh, nasty stuff, but I'm just going to be a little bit angry with this person. Or I'm going to be a little bit hurt by what that person has said or, or done. And what happens is that you get tricked into starting down that slippery slope you forget that Christ should be on the throne of your life and you put yourself back on there and you think that you can carry on uh, in your Christian life and be blessed by God when in that first paragraph you talk about, um, uh, Paul talks about those things and, and we think, yeah, 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 that's all right. I'm going to keep one or two of those things. Just remember, though, what we were just touching on before Rachel uh, read to us. Exodus, Joel, Zechariah, and so on. As I said, there's over 20 references to jealousy. Exodus 20, verse 5, God says he uh, he wants us to stay with him and that the rewards that we have by staying with him are just incredible. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Joel chapter 2 verse 18, it says, The Lord is jealous for his land and for his people. And in Zechariah, through one of, uh, another one of the Old Testament prophets, he says, I am very jealous for Zion, or in other words, the children of Israel. I am burning with jealousy for her. And then in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 21, Paul almost takes on uh, the voice of God when he's talking about how much he loves the Corinthian church. And he says, and it's quite good, obviously Paul uses some humour from time to time when he is uh, talking to the Corinthians, but he says, I hope you will put up with a little of my foolishness, but you're already doing that. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. And this is Paul talking, but it might as well be God talking. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. 
But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion for Christ. So those words really struck out to me this week as I was reading through them. That we can start off fantastic, but we can get a little niggle in there. And as I said to you this morning uh, earlier, that uh, you know I'm 59 this year, and I've spent a lot of those years letting the serpent uh, come in and work his cunning way with me the way he did uh, with Eve. And I'm wondering whether that's happened to you as well. I'm wondering if that's happened to you as well. That despite your best efforts, Christ has slipped off the throne of your heart. And what's happened is you've allowed hurt and bitterness, unforgiveness, and what we're talking about this morning, jealousy, to get in the way and destroy you. So whatever it is, whether it's jealousy or not, I just urge you, please, put Christ back on that throne. Cast off all of those things. Cast off all your qualifiers that, that Satan has given you, saying, well, you're allowed to feel that way. You're allowed to feel that way. Right? Make it right with whoever's upsetting you, whoever's said the wrong thing. Make it, make it a priority. We've most of us have got a public holiday tomorrow, perhaps a, a free afternoon this afternoon. Get on the phone, get on, um, uh, get on your email, sit down with your pen and paper, write to that person, whoever it is. And it might be just a completely self-inflicted thing that you've done. Just get on your knees. I just urge you, don't, don't waste any more of your life on negativity don't waste any more of your life on negativity realize and accept that yes you've been duped you've been tricked realize that you've got no comeback um, Christ died for you in your most sinful state Christ died for you he rose again on the third day so that you could be with him he wants you he wants you in your sinful state. He wants you to turn from your sinful state into your redemptive state. He's saying, this is what I've done for you. So look, I really urge you to think about um, these words today about jealousy. When we look at those words that Rachel read, stay on track. You can see that you will be infinitely happier staying on track than staying on your own track. Stay on God's track. Don't, as I said, don't get on that slippery slope. It might be fun at first, but the deeper you go, the dirtier you get, the harder it is. It's just not worth it. I just want to finish off this morning with just, when I was thinking about, well, what, what verses can encapsulate um, God's love for us, his jealous, his good, jealous love for us? He's jealous for us. Um, the, def the Greek and the Hebrew for jealous um, comes from a root meaning zealous. So God is being uh, uh, zealously possessive 
of us. That's what it means. And it's quite a difference between being jealous of and God's reference to us being jealous for us. How incredible. And he longs for us. Thousands of years have passed since Jesus died and rose again. But still, God is reaching out. He wants us to give our lives fully to him, whether it's for the first time or whether we've been Christians for a while and we've gone down that slippery slope. He wants us to come back to him. And he reminds us in Romans chapter 8, and I'll finish with this verse and then we'll uh, have another song of worship where Paul says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. And so through all things it means our lives, what we get caught up in, and then our mistakes and so on. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that fantastic to think on that? So despite all that we've done, we may not be Christians yet. We may be Christians, but we've slipped away and we've let all sorts of negativity and negative spirits into our lives, whether it be jealousy, unforgiveness, whatever it might be. But nothing can separate us. So how do we get back? We get on our knees. We get on our knees and say, I want you back, Lord. I want you back. This isn't gone well for me. If it's the first time that you've done it uh, and you're not really sure what the process is, Get down on your knees again and say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I need you. I've tried everything. I've tried to do it myself. But I just end up in a mess, as we've just read in Galatians. We just end up in a mess. So I just urge you to look at your life. Christian, non-Christian, look at your life. You need God in your life always. If you've been a Christian for a while, you need Christ back on um, uh, the throne of your heart, if you like. Not you, not your neighbour with all the stuff. You don't want his life. You need Christ's life. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in his word, stay in his love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.